Happy Sabbath. I don't know if many of you have noticed that this week there was a unique type of news that took place uh, in America. There was a whistleblower in a high identity area of the military that announced that he has information that UFOs are real. How many of you heard that news this week? Right, he had information that UFOs are real, that not only do they have spacecraft that are of the way they put it, of not human origin, that there is a possibility there may be, he strongly hinted, if I'm correct, if I'm not correct, let me know those of you. He strongly hinted that there may be species of non-human origin in these spacecraft that the United States and other countries may have. Now, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, whether you believe that to be true or not. I do know that in the last days there will be all types of deceptions. Revelation 16, 14, in fact, that's not the main part of this sermon, but if you turn with me to Revelation 16, 14, Revelation 16, 14, the Bible says, well, let's start in 13. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirit like frogs, for they are the spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of, the God, of God the Almighty. So wherever you stand on UFOs, the truth is that officially, me as your pastor, I don't believe in UFOs, at least not from other planets. Whether they are here as demonic revelations or demon spirits, we know that in the last days, the signs will be so deceptive that if possible, they would deceive the very who? the very elect of God. But we build our foundation, we build our knowledge on the Word of God. And the Word of God through Genesis through Revelation lets us know that this battle between good and evil is kept here on this planet. There are things that happen in heaven, but our God is going to protect us from these delusions that would deceive, if possible, the very elect. The reason I bring it up, though, is that in the Twitter sphere where I first heard this, many people are ignoring it. Some saying it's demons. Others are believing that it's actual extraterrestrial people. And so the question is, many people are left without answers. Anytime I'm left without answers, I go to the Word of God. There isn't a principle, there isn't a truth that is not addressed in the Word of God. That being said, I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. It's a story we're very familiar with. It's called the road to Emmaus. But we want to look at it perhaps in a different light than you've heard it before. So we know the story. These two disciples are walking. They are, mind you, 
disappointed about the events that have taken place. And if you know human nature, when you are disappointed about something that you had your hopes up for, there is no moment of thinking clear about that. It may take a while, perhaps weeks or months, to get your bearings right when you had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel, get rid of the Romans, and set an everlasting kingdom. Verse 13, And behold, two of them were going the very day to the village named Emmaus. I read from the New American Standard Version, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. So if you ever walked seven miles, I walked it recently here, not in preparation for the sermon, but just out of exercise. It took me about an hour and 40 minutes to walk the seven miles. And so you can tell an hour and 40 minutes, give or take, is a good time to have a good conversation. So they're walking seven miles. And they were talking with each other about these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, who arrived? Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Verse 16 is key. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing. Not only do they have the disappointment of the events and that whirling in their mind, for some reason the Holy Spirit decided to hold them off a bit before they can recognize that it was Jesus himself walking. And in our lives, sometimes we may not know why we go through with the young men that were visiting the Sabbath school class. We spoke about Joseph's life and how he got sold by his own very brothers. Do you think he knew what God had in mind? And then on top of that, he goes to the pinnacle of Potiphar's life only to be thrown to the pit by Potiphar himself, only to rise again to the pinnacle in Pharaoh's life. You may not know through the dark valley you're going through at that moment, but trust me and trust the word of God that no matter how dark it gets, if you have Jesus, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And so these men were hoping that Jesus were the one to redeem them from the Romans. The Holy Spirit didn't see fit at that moment for them to recognize Jesus. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you were walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. Shows you now the next verse, their emotional hope they had, how they were tied emotionally to this. Verse 21, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel, Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Verse 24. 
some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the woman also had said, but him they did not see. Think about it. They understood correctly the events of the weekend. They understood that Jesus was a prophet, and at least a mighty prophet, that he did wonders in the sight of the priests and men. They understood that he died. They understood that it's been proclaimed he was raised on the third day. They understood that the women saw the tomb empty. They went themselves and verified. And yet despite having all the truth, they still feel hopeless. They, feel, they still feel like something is lacking, like something is missing. They still feel like they want something more. They want more clarity. They want more depth. And recently here, in my neighborhood, my wife just stepped out, I've noticed there have been several posts of Christians longing for more, that church is no longer enough, that it's become bright lights, big city. Matter of fact, a couple of months ago, David Ostrich posted on Twitter, let's get rid of the fog lights and the strobe lights and let's get back to the word of God. Amen. People have the word of God in their hands. People have the very facts of the Bible, but something is missing. And what is missing is an encounter with the living God. It's not saying those people are lost but they need a refresher. They need that first love. They need to see the depths and the systematic theology that Adventism holds. Because as we will see towards the end, the Bible is rich. The Bible is deep. And we will be studying, listen, the plan of salvation. You know, I read a book, and after a while I get bored of the book. Very few books I read twice. Because, been there, done that. But when it comes to the word of God and the plan of salvation, if you don't like this fact, then you may not be there. Because we're going to be studying the plan of salvation for all eternity. That is how deep and that is how wide and that is how mysterious the gospel of Jesus Christ is. That it is unfathomably deep for all eternity. We will be studying how much God has loved this world. You can have all the facts. You can have all the knowledge. But unless we are touched by the Holy Spirit, something will always be missing. Verse 25, Jesus says to them, unless you think I'm making too big of a deal about it. He himself says, you're so foolish. You have all the facts. You've seen it with your own eyes. I've told you that I will rise again the third day. The tomb is empty, and yet you're without hope. Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe. In how much? In all that the prophets have spoken. Too often today in churches, it's only about the New Testament. Some would even go to say it's only about the Gospels. Or some would say it's only about the letters of Paul. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, says, if you want that 
deepness. If you want to know the prophecies, if you want to know what the world is headed towards, O oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. He goes on to say, Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And here's the beauty of which so many Christians fail. Then beginning with who? Moses. What's the first book of Moses? Genesis. Beginning in Genesis. And with all the prophets, he explained to them things concerning himself in all the scriptures. If you go to Genesis and all you know, uh, Genesis chapter 3 is the first lie and miss uh, the fact that the seed of the woman is going to destroy that serpent, then you have missed what Genesis is all about. Genesis chapter 3 tells us about the fall of man, but it also gives us the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Adam and Eve should have died that very day, but a lamb was sacrificed signifying that the lamb of God will one day come. Right in Genesis, you don't have to read the end of the book. Right there in Genesis, we're told that the devil will be defeated as the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. Every story in the Old Testament, every story that we read in the Old Testament is none other about Jesus Christ. He says, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Verse 28, and they approached the village they were going and he acted as though he was going further. But they urged them, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting towards evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. Now, sometimes we overlook the fact that Jesus was going to keep walking. Because Jesus will never force himself upon anybody. He wasn't going to self-invite him, although I knew a pastor. I could never do this, so forgive me. If you want me to come to your house, invite me. I knew a pastor who used to go to people and be like, hey, I'm coming to your house for breakfast on Sunday at 8. I was like, and they didn't invite you? Yeah, he says, I just invite myself. Nobody ever says no. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can go that far. He, at any time, I'm coming to your house for dinner on Thursday. This is what I like and this is what I don't like. So Jesus is always waiting. To see if you want more. Because if you want more. He will give you more. He will pour out. The more we search the scripture. You cannot exhaust this very book. Even this very book. We can study for all eternity. Because the Bible is deep. Because what is awesome about the Bible. Is that it's the only book. And you've heard me say this before. Where the author is present with you if you invite him. And he will take you deeper and deeper and deeper into that one verse. We have all who have had experience with scripture. Have read something years later. Read it again and find some freshness and some depth in it. Their hearts were burning and so they invited him. When he reclined. Stay with us for it's getting towards evening. Verse 30, when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. 
and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized and he vanished from their sight. Now perhaps that pastor I'm telling you about had a good thing going. Because if you notice, as they were walking for these close to two hours, Jesus was explaining to them everything from Moses and the prophets and all of Scripture. But it wasn't until he sat down and had fellowship with them that their eyes were open to see the truth that he had told them. Could it be that sometimes us Adventists are great at giving information but not sitting with someone for transformation? Could it be that we need to fellowship more? Could it be that we need to know each other personally more? That we can share our life's experiences, our ups and downs, and a weaker Christian with a stronger Christian who may have been through what the weaker Christian has gone through and has remained faithful to God because we have heard stories of people losing it all and yet stay faithful to God. And yet we've seen stories of people getting it all and losing their walk with God. Jesus is found everywhere. And here he says it again. But turn with me to Luke chapter, the same chapter, verse 44. He comes, visits the disciples. After the two ran to Emmaus, back from Emmaus. In verse 44 he says, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Once again, Jesus is hammering home the importance of Moses, the law, the Psalms and the prophets, uh, that it's all about him. Think about it. He just told them. He had told them these things prior. They knew him. But when your hope is in your desires, They wanted him to be the king of Israel and get rid of the Romans. And they weren't hearing that he was coming this time to be meek and lonely and die for their sins. When they were so wrapped up in what they wanted, they had all the information, but they didn't have the touch of the Holy Spirit. You can know your Bible from A to Z, but unless we surrender to what the Word says, we won't know the difference between UFOs or demonic spirits. But then I kept thinking about this, about Moses and the law and the prophets. And I was like, Jesus hammered this home. Is there any other place in scripture that hammers this home? I want you to open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, verse 29. It's a story of the rich man and the beggar and the parable. And look what Jesus says in this parable. According to verse 29, but Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, no father, Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And Jesus, the punchline of this parable, he says, but he said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. 
This is Jesus in the New Testament. This is our Lord and Savior. He says to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, which many Christians today are saying we're New Testament Christians, the old law has been done away. Jesus himself says, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, even when I rise from the dead, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to believe me. Because the foundation of Christianity, the foundation of the word of God is the first five books of Moses. The rest of scripture is explaining the first five books of Moses. The prophecy of the Messiah are initially found in the first five books of Moses. Look at Luke, sorry, John 5, 45 and 46. John chapter 5. Well, let's start in 39. John chapter 5, 39. He says, you search the scriptures. Remember, all they had was the Old Testament at this point. Because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. And you're unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. Verse 46. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? This is Jesus himself speaking. He says, if you don't believe the Old Testament, if you dismiss the Old Testament, if you think that they are no longer relevant, then how will you understand my words? If you do not believe his writings, then how will you believe my words? One final verse along this line. Acts chapter 28. Last chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28. Verse 23. When they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in large numbers. And he was explaining to them by solemn testifying, solemn, by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them accord concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning until evening. This is a New Testament church. Remember a couple of weeks ago we explained that Acts takes place anywhere between 60 and 70 years of the New Testament church history. And he is explaining to these people from morning to evening, persuading them concerning what? None other than Jesus Christ. From both the law of Moses and the prophets, from morning until evening. As the days get darker, you will begin to realize that there is a famine for the word of God. People want meaning, and the church is not bringing them meaning anymore. But I tell you that the church was never to bring meaning. The church is a fellowship of people who know their meaning is found in a personal relationship with Christ that is embedded in the Word of God. The pastor is not going to save you. The church is not going to save you. But the only way to cling to Jesus Christ with all your might is to know him. And the only way to know him 
is through Moses, the law, and the prophets, and all of Scripture, because it's all about Him. It's all about Him. Not our denomination, not our faith, not the pastor, not the elders. It's all about Him. So the next couple of sermons, we're going to look at several Old Testament stories that we tend to read the wrong way because the church has made them more moralistic stories or stories about self-help and personal growth. And I'll give you an example that I'm not going to touch in the next sermons. But we always hear the story about David and Goliath. And that if we put our trust in God, we could be like David and take our stones and kill the giant. Right? Isn't that how we typically hear the story of David and Goliath? Well, let me give you the Christ-centered truth of that story. And I'm not saying you can't use it that way, but that is not the primary way. Because all the scripture is about whom? It's about Christ. You know who we are in that story? We're the cowards afraid to face the giant. And if it wasn't for David representing Christ, killing the giant for us, then we get the spoils of victory and run after the rest of the army. But you and I, without Christ, are the cowards cowering before the giant. In the story of David and Goliath, David represents Jesus Christ who put on the armor of God, which was earthly, no armor. Because we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against powers and principalities. All Christ needed in this battle is the same thing you and I need. It's a connection with our Heavenly Father. You don't have to be physically strong or in shape. You don't have to be the smartest or the brightest. You don't have to have a Master's of Divinity or a PhD in Theology. All you need is a connection with Jesus Christ. And he is found in Moses, in the prophets, in the Psalms, and in all of scriptures because it's all about him. So my appeal for you today is this. Do you know him? Not your doctrine. Because the devil knows doctrine probably better than all of us. Not that you know that God exists because the devils believe that God exists. As a matter of fact, I read a quote recently from, I forgot who it was from, but it said this, and I find it kind of amusing. It said, even the devils didn't fall into the vice of atheism. Right? Because atheist says there is no God. Demons know there are God. So even the devils don't fall to the vice of atheism. So it's not about whether you know there's a God or whether you know your doctrines. It's about do you know him and does he know you? Because if you know him truly and he knows you, the sweetest words you'll ever hear is enter into my kingdom, my good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that your word is precious. But Father, unless we're touched by the Holy Spirit, we cannot understand Moses, the Psalms, the prophets, and all things concerning you.
May we know you. May we grow with you. And as we see in the next couple of weeks, the truth of you in the Old Testament, may our hearts rejoice. May they burn within us. And may we surrender more and more to you every day. It's getting darker, but the truth of your word will shine brighter. May we be part of that always. In your son's name we pray. Amen.